As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Hahn and you're listening to Joseph Warren with Broken Catholic. You're going to enjoy everything you hear. Today, my featured guest is Christian author Gordon Dalby, and Gordon's first of 12 books, Healing the Masculine Soul, pioneered the Christian men's movement back in 1988 and is still a bestseller today. Now, Gordon's a former Peace Corps volunteer in Nigeria and teacher at St. Vieda High School in Chicago. He has pastored three churches in Los Angeles, holds a Master's of Divinity from Harvard, and an MA in Journalism from Stanford. Obviously, he's smarter than me. Okay. He has ministered worldwide, often with his wife, Mary, who holds a PhD in psychology, and has joined him to co-author several books, including Pure Sex, The Spirituality of Desire, Loving to Fight or Fighting to Love, Winning the Spiritual Battle for Your Marriage, and 10 Things She Said That Made Me Want to Marry Her. Gordon has appeared on Focus on the Family and a wide variety of other radio shows and TV shows. He and his wife live in Santa Barbara, California. Uh, you can find him at abbafather.com, abbafather.com. Gordon, welcome to Broken Catholic. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Wow. Yeah, well, I'm, I was, thank you. It's great to be here with you and your, your I guess, visitors. Uh, yeah, I was born in 1944 during World War II. And uh, my father, like all of my buddies and their fathers, uh, you know, went to war and that was the whole focus of their life. And I, I thank God that they were faithful in that task to the, that, that they literally did save the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, war in the military sense does not do much for a man's heart, let's put it that way. And it makes him very hard to recognize the needs of a boy. Uh, so we had a whole generation of men who had uh, learned, for example, not to cry um, and were taught that it's shameful. In fact, when I was a boy, uh, if I cried, uh, my dad would tell me, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. I'll, I'll make it worse for you. And that, that, what the boys learned, what a whole generation learned from that was, if you have an honest feeling, especially one that the culture has determined is, is not acceptable, then you're not a man. 
because this is what the men do and this is what the men dictate uh, is acceptable to other men. So you got to stuff it. Well, what happens when you uh, uh, push down feelings, uh, another word in English, English language is great here, is to depress. If I put my foot on the brake pedal, I can say the condition of the brake pedal is depressed because my foot has pushed it down. Well, if you push down your feelings like that, you end up depressed and you're not able to access honest feelings thereafter. I remember when I was a young man um, in my 20s and this young lady, it had to be a woman to say this to me. She got so frustrated with something I was saying or doing. And she said, Gordon, uh, have you ever had an honest feeling? And I, I, I looked at her with a puzzled look, says, all right, let me spell it. It's like sad. It's like angry. It's like happy. And she, and I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening because she's teaching me. And I'm thinking, I, I never allowed myself this kind of thing. And uh, I, I suppose that's why I fled to California because I felt like, you know, uh, everybody seemed a little more freer. Maybe somehow I could recover something that people were telling me I wasn't experiencing yet. Were telling me was was essential, as it were, to being a human being. And there's nothing that Jesus certainly, uh, Jesus wept, he, he shouted to God, he cried, he, he was compassionate, but he was truthful. And, and all the things I, I realized that, uh, and it was women that just basically became my mentors in that season, because the men, uh, sadly, had been truncated emotionally, and they were not able to reach out to their sons, uh, except to tell us to, to be stoic and quiet and strong somehow then uh but then when you start to be talk about a relationship with another human being certainly uh a woman a wife or 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 or, or a son or daughter wow you're talking a different world order that we have never been trained for mm. you just went real deep real quick and and i appreciate that because the, mm -hmm. these are the conversations i want to have on this show Good. you got it yeah i want to get real about what's real Yes, that's my, 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 my ministry motto. Years ago, people, someone came to me during a conference and uh, they said, Gordon, real quick, uh, I want to decide whether to come to your seminar or somebody else's. I'm, okay, come on, let me have it. What is it? She says, what is a real man? What's your definition? Do you have a definition of a real man? I'm thinking, okay, Lord, you're on. Well, I'm, I tell you, the Lord was right on the dime. I said, yes, I do. And she takes out her pen and notebook. I said, you don't need it. You don't need it. Just listen to me here. A real man is a man who's real. That's it. That's it. Simple, not easy. Not easy if you've been trained to be unreal, if you've been told real feelings are not acceptable. No, it's not easy, but it is simple. And you can trust that that's when you will experience, and I can testify that when I finally began to experience real feelings, I, I understood what that was about. Uh, when my father, when, when he was about, well, when I was about 50 years old, my mother died. I remember going to my dad and my, my dad was uh, uh, born and raised in a mill town outside of Philadelphia. And uh, he was, I, I asked him, I was trying to make conversation with him, which was an un, unusual sort of thing for us, sadly. And he's, his father was a, a steel worker and never went to second grade. And here I am a writer. So hello. Uh, so I, I thought, how am I going to make some conversation? And I said, dad, um, what did you and your father talk about? And he looked at me with a strange look and he made a fist. He made a fist. And once he says, my dad was a hard man. He worked 
60 hours a week in the steel mills, no, no overtime, he said. And he was a hard man. And when, if you did something he didn't like, he hit you. And when he hit you, it hurt. And all of a sudden, I looked at my dad. I'd never seen this. And I burst out crying. I burst out crying. I, my body shook. My heart just flooded open. And I thought, what? This is the guy I mean, who had taught me, Stop, don't cry, or I'll, I'll add to your pain. And I, I, I began to realize, how can he add that, that? That is the worst pain possible, that a father would do that to his son. And my dad, God bless him, he... He made a life for himself, got an MBA with a career naval officer. He made so much and was able to give me that his dad never gave him. I'm so grateful. But I, I realized in that moment, later I went into my, when, I, when we said goodnight, I, I went into the room and I stuck on my knees and said, Father, what was that? I'm not supposed to cry. Certainly not in front of my dad. I do apart from my dad now, certainly. But, and the, the Lord was, he just explained to me, he said, uh, your dad said, Stop crying, or but there are two consequences of that. Stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about. So you couldn't stop crying. I made sure your heart was, I blocked your heart open. You had to cry. It was the pain that you cried was not just yours, Gordon. It was your dad's pain. It was your grandfather's pain, your great grandfather's. It's on back through generations of pain. And I chose you to be the outlet, shall we say, to come to me and let me drain, as it were, to, to receive that pain from you so you can be real. From, from now on, and he said, he gave it to either stop crying, which I, I eliminated that possibility. That wasn't, that's not a real possibility. So the second possibility was, I'll give you something to cry about. Listen up, son. When you heard your father tell you how his father beat him, that's something to cry about. And I gave you something to cry about tonight, and I opened a window in your dad's heart and revealed it to you. And you responded out of my spirit with grace and compassion that no man in your generations has ever experienced or known. And I, I, was, I was on my knees already, so I no I was lower to get on my face. I said, okay, Father, now I understand. And all my rebel hippie days going to San Francisco and living in my commune and Volkswagen and hair down to my shoulders, take that, Dad. You're not going to love me? Take that. You know. And I, I, it set me like a bolt. Why didn't your father give you the love you needed, Gordon? And my notice says, because he loved the Navy more than me. No, 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 no. Why? Too? Because I, I couldn't play ball like, like, like he was a great athlete. No, 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 no. And finally, I was down to the bottom line. Why didn't my dad love me like I needed? He never got it. He didn't have it to give. How can you beat up some pauper because he's not giving you a million bucks? He, he's, he's hurting. He's broken. And I, that's why I cried for my dad. And from that point on, I, I, I was able to cry for my dad, not only to cry for him, but to go in the next day and say, how you doing, dad? And really initiate a relationship like we'd never had before. Gordon, thank you for sharing that very real story oh. that I know many, many of my listeners are connecting deeply with. And, and BC Nation, Broken Catholic Nation, I invite you to allow yourself to feel right now for your father. And to look at what you missed out on as a child, whether you're a son or whether you're a daughter. Mm -hmm. and, and to see the wounds of your father that got passed yeah. on 
Um, yeah. and, and as Gordon's saying, it's generational. And, and as Gordon was sharing his story just then, I, I was picturing my own dad, Marine mm. Corps, and, uh, you know, discipline and rules and regulation yeah, and, exactly. and very similar. And, uh, you know, I missed out on a lot of that paternal compassion, gentleness, mm-hmm. um, and very similar to you, Gordon, you know, mm-hmm. boys don't cry. That was it's an rule. epidemic. That was the rule in the house. And so I learned to depress uh, my feelings. And most of my life, I was depressed. Yeah, I, 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 I know. Yeah. yeah, I closed off my heart. Uh, yep. wouldn't let anybody in. Yep. Um, girls, romantic relationships, when they said, I love you, man, I'd cut them out of my life immediately and make them exactly. wrong. Exactly. Oh, that terrifies you. You know, and, and I'm not capable. Yeah. That's right. And I was the one missing out. So BC Nation, Gordon's opening up some deep wounds in you right now just by sharing his story. The challenge here and the temptation is to depress it as soon as the feelings well up. And the way you know they're coming to the surface is your eyes start to well up. Mm -hmm. You feel that I'm getting choked feeling. Mm -hmm. As men, though, we want to push it right back down. We want to depress it because we don't want to face it. We're scared of it. Gordon, I want to share a quick story with you. Uh, this past weekend, I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, mm-hmm. giving a talk at Iron Sharpens Iron Men's Conference, right? So all my Protestant brothers and somehow they oh, brought yeah. in this token broken Catholic to speak and do a workshop. Mm-hmm. And, and I did this workshop called Confessions of a Control Freak. Mm-hmm. And I spoke about the five different types of control freaks and how each of them showed up in my life, these inner control freaks that, um, you know, push away people that try to control people, things and circumstances. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and uh, 30 something guys uh, came to my workshop, right. And kind of like you said, that lady, why should I come to yours? Well, 30 guys walk in and, and I was like, Oh, so you're all a bunch of little control freaks, huh? And they all just laugh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, why'd sure. you come here? And they're like, well, I've been wrestling, you know, my inner control freak for 20, 30 years now. And it's, I lost my wife because of it. I lost my kids, you know, and they just started to open up really fast. And I was blown away how much that message res- resonated. Mm-hmm. And as I'm giving the talk and going through the five different types and what it's cost you in your life, Gordon, I'm seeing like eight to 10 guys at least just tearing up. Their eyes yeah. getting red. I see that, you Good. know, right. The, the tears are, are coming. And I remember one of them very specifically to my left. He was sitting there with his like 19 year old son and he's welling up multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. His eyes. And he just, he wouldn't look at his son. He was looking straight ahead at me. He mm-hmm. didn't want his son to see him cry about the things I was talking about, the woundedness in him. Yeah, that's never been healed. He's never let God in to go and uh, heal all that. And he kept depressing it back down. Like you could see the subconscious mm-hmm, as soon as it came mm-hmm. to the surface, God wants it out. He would push it back down. No, I can't deal with this. I can't face this. Mm-hmm. And it just kept coming back up. And I was like, wow, this is how we go through life as men. Uh, we become professional copers. We learn to cope, but not thrive to not live we won't let god in to heal this these wounds in our life so i really want to shift the conversation here with you and ask how do you make that transition like what do you want to say to my listener right now that maybe got choked up by your story or something i just said and and they're like man i know i have woundedness but i'm scared 
I can't go in. And, and guys came over to me after the talk and they were like, Joseph, I'm scared. I'm scared. Yeah, I, I, sure. don't, I, I don't know what Good. it looks like. I, I, I don't want to take it on. Mm-hmm. I know it's there. I know it's blocking me. I know it's blocking God. I know it's blocking my spouse, but I don't want to face it. What do you want to say to them right now? What are your, your three tips, your three spiritual strategies uh, for my listener right now, especially the men, but, you know, broken daughters as well out there? Oh, that's, that's, that's sadly, that's the newest thing. Finally, women are realizing that uh, we've leaned on women for, for the healing, shall we say. And now the women have not gotten what they needed either. That's right. And there are no mentors left. In the village, there are no mentors I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Nigeria, and they, the older folks, they help the younger folks deal with life. But um, first of all, I'll say that when I gave the definition, a real man is a man who's real, I didn't add the kind of fine print that says, uh, in order to be real, you need to be safe. See, and that's the problem. I could not be real with my father because I couldn't feel safe with him any more than he could feel safe with his dad who would hit him uh, like that. So. What we're looking at is the fear that, that what, just what you're describing is that's where the fear is. We, we've been there, done that one, baby. We ain't going to go there again. You know, it's like uh, I, I got open one time. I, got, I opened myself and, and usually you have to go back to when you were a child, a boy or, 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 or a girl. Uh, and so the enemy of God, we do have an enemy, wants us to believe that your father hated you. He didn't like you. See, that's why he withdrew. If you, if you like something, you come toward it. If you don't like it, you go away from it. Your dad went away from you, either physically or emotionally. Sadly, in this generation, it's, 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 it's more, as much as not more physically as well as emotionally. But he didn't come towards you. He didn't affirm your heart and your feelings and listen to you. So you must not be good. You're damaged merchandise. And, and that's the way the enemy wants to interpret it. When you, when you are allowed yourself, you allow, you allow your father God to take you to the depths, to feel your pain, suddenly things begin to change and you realize, wait a minute, dad didn't, wasn't cold and distant and hard on me because I was so bad. It was because he was so broken. And once I faced his brokenness, the fear goes away. I'm okay with Jesus. I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a sinner like everybody else, but I, I, I'm not what the, the, the enemy is trying to define me as, as, as unacceptable because my dad didn't come towards me. No, he didn't come towards me from his own brokenness. It wasn't anything to do with me. And then you can begin to make those kind of separation. That allows you, and here's the key, that allows you uh, to, um, the, 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 the original Ten Commandments says, you know, honor your father and mother, and then just didn't go on from there. It says, and you will live long in the land you're about to occupy. It's the only one with a promise. And when you have to get to a point in your life where that means more to you, I want to live long in the land God has chosen for me, the promised land, as it were. I want to do that. I don't know how, but I do know who. And that's it. We don't have a safe place with our earthly father. That's all right. I've heard my, my, my son is a father wound. I'm a sinner. I got a belly button. I've tried to go to him as much as I can and, 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 and ask him, please forgive me when I'm aware of things. But, but nevertheless, uh, this is where God has designed this. You say, why would God allow us to get hurt by our fathers like that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okay, because he wants to reveal himself as the true father from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth receives his true name, Ephesians 3.14. See, that's the whole goal. Once you, know, once you know God is your true father, you're home free. 
You can see your dad as he really is. You can weep for him and you can laugh with him and you can love him at last. You don't have to make him something to fit what you needed or wanted or, or hoped you had. You can let him be who he is. And guess what? You can be who you are as a result of that. You don't have to pressure yourself to be what he wanted you to be or somebody else wants you to be. You can be who you are. And that's, that's what we call the tree of life, where you can go to Jesus. But you have to know that there's a trustworthy father. The enemy says, that's the end of the road for you. Fathers are no good. Look at the culture. Look at the culture. Fathers are no good. Translation, men are really substandard. Uh, they, they, they can't function emotionally. And they're, they're just, we're gonna, they won't listen to your heart, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of us have experienced that. I've experienced a person myself, and most women probably have, probably have too. Um, but the fact is, this is where the, 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 the junction, the, 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 the crossroads comes, where you begin to realize, wait a minute, there is a father. There is a father who loves me and who is safe. He's so safe that not that he does, doesn't punish me. He's already given Jesus his very son so that I don't have to take that punishment. That is to say, uh, he is the way, the truth, and life. No one goes to the Father except by me. I want to go to the Father. I want to go to this good Father. So what does it say? Jesus. Okay, Jesus, you're on. If you can take me to this Father who loves me, who cares for me, who listens to me, who accepts me as I am, and all my flaws, I'm trying to cover myself up. I'm finished on that. That, that, I, that, that, that does not work, I know. But what I need to have is a safe place to be real. And that's when I, when, when I began to get to that place in my life where I realized it was very, very frightening to think, gosh, my dad can't give me all I need. Well, this is the, ju this is the junction in life between boyhood and adulthood, childhood and adulthood, where you begin depending, stop depending on your parents to define you, and you go to Jesus, who takes you to Father God, and says, guess what? I have created you for a life of good deeds, which I've already prepared for you to do, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. You're here on purpose. You come to me, I'll put my spirit, and I'll cause you to keep all the commandments I have, Ezekiel 36, 26, and, and, and you will become the man, the woman I've called you to be, and you will affect this world to bring my kingdom, my rule into this world, as no one else can, because you're unique in my heart, and I love you. And that what you just heard there is 40 years of compact, you know, of crying, literally tears on my knees in my prayer closet. And before people I've hurt and everything like that say, Jesus, I, I don't need to be right. I don't want that tree of knowledge anymore. I don't need to be right. I just need to be real. In my, my book, Loving to Fight or Fighting to Love, for couples, the, the whole thesis is uh, it's not about being right when couples fight. It's not about being right. It's about What's God trying to teach us? If you can get around that, you, but to get around that corner, you have to realize that um, I can't make this happen. But there is a God, there is the God of gods who has made it happen for me, has blown open the gates, said, come on in. Jesus will bring you to me. Open your heart to me. And you won't have to hide anymore. Wonder of wonders. And you don't have to be right. I know when that hit me, and I'm, I'm 75, I mean, I'm telling you, we're only talking about four or five years ago when it finally struck me, why are we fighting like this? And I don't need to be right. If I'm eating from the tree of life, in fact, you know, like, like Psalm 139, King David says, search my heart, O God. This is the warrior king. Not search the enemy's heart so I can kick it. But 
search my heart, oh God, and find out if there's any wickedness in me. That's the tree of life. And you, when you want more to get healed yourself than to change somebody else, you're there. That's the tree of life. Gordon, such powerful wisdom. And, you know, uh, in my talk, I shared, um, I have a three word definition for leadership. Because yep. as men, we want to be leaders, right? We're spiritual right. leaders in our home, leader in our business, leader in the community. It's in us, right? That leadership um, calling. So my three-word definition right. is you go first. Mm, I like it. I like it. You go first. Mm. Jesus set the example. He went first. That's right. Uh, again, it's very simple, <laughs> but not easy because the, the, the fear is it, no one's gone there before. And so I don't know. It's unknown to me. And that's where Jesus steps in and he says, guess what? I not only ha have gone there, I'm there. I'm waiting for you. You take the step. I remember when my boy was about five years old six years old, we, we took a little hike back up in the back country here. We came up against a pack of boulders. And I looked at him and he looked at me. We know what was, we're both the minds are thinking like guys. And he said, I said, can we make it? He says, well, I said, let's give it a try, daddy. I said, okay. So we're going, I'm, I'm grabbing onto him. Don't worry. Moms are listening. And I had my arm there to get him. And it was hard. It was scary. We got to the top and, and I, I, I didn't know what to say because he was kind of smiling and I, knocking the boulder dust off my pants. I said, you know, well, that was, that was sure an adventure, I said, but it was scary. And that little boy looked up at his dad like, what planet do you come from? He says, Daddy, it's not an adventure unless it's scary. And now when he's in his, as an adult now in, in his late 20s, I have to remind him of that all the time. A little boy once gave me some great, when he gets in a scary position with a new job or something like that, and he said, it's not a scary adventure. And I have a book called do Pirates Wear Pajamas and Other Mysteries in the Adventure of Fathering, which I wrote about stories about when he was in that age zone up before he went to junior high, when everything changed, but uh, of things he taught me. Not that I taught my son, because I found my, my briefcase was pretty empty, quite frankly. And it wasn't because, I'll just say that. And, and that but, but Jesus has said, I've come to bring you to not a father, not a higher power, not a, this, the father. Now, do you want the father, you want to mess around with these other fathers, whether it's alcohol or sex and women, or it's your job, your success. What are these father things that you're looking for that are, that are substitutes, but they're, they're, they're invalid. They don't work. Do they work? If they do, okay. You know, people come up to one time and said, oh, I keep running from God, Gordon. This is, I, I know what you're saying is true. It's biblical. But I, can, you, can you give me some help? I keep, give me some advice. I keep running from God. So you keep running from God? Help, Lord. Okay, I got it. I said, all right, you keep running from God. Here's what you do. Run as long as you can. I ain't chasing after no, I, I don't chase after people. Jesus never ran after. It's not because he didn't have Adidas running shoes and the sandals didn't work to run. It's because he knew that a person wasn't ready to receive what he died to give them. And that's fine. The world will teach you. Trust me. The world and the enemy will work fine over time to get to the point where you're crying out for God. And if you're not there yet, I bless you. I love you. And I'll be here for you. But I, I'm not going to chase you after you drag you or push you anywhere. That would, that would, that would invalid, that would, that would violate 
uh, your journey. Uh, but of course, now as a father and a parent, you know, sometimes you do intervene because you can see the consequences, but basically uh, you have to let the person discover their own place. And that's, ah, that talk about control, boy, and yeah. letting go. That's exactly that means you it. Got, that means you got to trust somebody is in control who's better, who's more powerful and not only that, but who loves who loves us and wants us to get where he's called us to be and has the power to do it. Mm. I remember at the end of the talk as some men came over to me that were in tears and, and they shared, you know, I'm scared, Joseph. And I said, listen, I've gone there. I, I, I know the way out. I can help. Mm -hmm. I said, do you want, do you want to jump on a call together? And, uh, okay, but I'm scared, but I'll do it. So I gave them, you know, a way to, to connect with me. And uh, three guys did it right on the spot. Two other guys committed to it, but I still haven't got, you know, the, the confirmation. They weren't ready, even they though ready. they were wounded and they're suffering yeah. and it's costing yeah. them their life. They weren't ready to receive, even when God sends someone to them saying, hey, I could show you the way out. You don't have to stay here. I know. And it's That's like the we, hardest we, part. We say no, because we're so, so scared. But I, I really like what you said. It's not an adventure unless it's scary. And I didn't say that. My son said that. Your son said that. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, author. I want citations to go. I don't want to. Win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, so BC Nation, we're speaking with Gordon Dalby. He's a very, very popular Christian author, written multiple books. You can find him at abbafather.com, abbafather.com. We're speaking today about uh, true masculinity, um, what it means to be a real man. And a real man is a man who is real. And we're speaking about how simple that is to get real, but how uh, difficult uh, yeah. it actually is to do it. And we can't do it. We won't do it unless we feel safe. But we haven't felt safe for most of our life, especially as men. Uh, we haven't felt safe emotionally to be real and to show our emotions, our, our vulnerability, our hurts, our woundedness, and then to ask for help. And Gordon's saying, hey, this is the way out. This is how you do it. So he has three spiritual insights that I pulled out of his stories and his wisdom for you here on the show. And I curated it for you. And the first one is recognize God as your true father. Mm -hmm. recognize God as your true father. All the human fathers, including your own, are broken. They're imperfect, just like you and I. Only God is the true father. He's the only perfect father that exists. That's what he wants you to see. Number two, Gordon says, believe that God is safe. God is the safe place. You can be real with him in your quiet time, in your prayer closet. And number three, Ask Jesus to show you the Father. Ask Jesus to bring you to the Father. Once you recognize the Father as the true Father and he is safe, now ask Jesus to bring you to him so that you can experience true relationship with him. I've been able to do it in my quiet time, holy hours, over 600 holy hours in. I don't take credit for that, but that is where my entire life changed when I got quiet mm. and met the Father and dumped all my emotional skadooge on him and left it there and and he filled me with his identity how he sees me how he loves me he healed all my father wounds which i had many he healed all my mother wounds which i had many 
and, and gave me a life. You know, he gave me the bride I prayed for for over two years, this amazing woman. We just got married last year when I oh, felt, praise God. thank you, when I felt hopeless and like there was no woman for me. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have our first baby uh, in oh. 15 days. Hallelujah. And, and I just want to give that praise report for you listening right now, BC Nation, when you feel hopeless and you feel depressed, as Gordon says, that God does have a better life for you, mm-hmm. but he's waiting for you to come to him. You got to get real with him. He's the only safe one to get real with. Gordon, anything you want to add to that? Yes. Um, when you talk, just in case any single uh, Christians out there listening, um, I remember when I was... Uh, I thought I was, I was ready. I felt ready. God had brought me to a place of motion where I was ready for the marriage that I had always wanted. And uh, one day the, the Lord basically pulled me over the side of the road and he said, uh, pray for the woman. I said, oh, thanks. Give me a woman, Father. Yet that's what I'm asking. I'm praying for a woman. Give me a... Pray for the woman. Oh, that's exactly the word I've been longing for. Give me a woman, Father. I want a woman. I mean, I'm a, it's a, you know, all those degrees I got, it doesn't, it doesn't wash. In the kingdom, I've learned some good things. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful, but it doesn't get you where you need to go. And it was till a long time before my, my stubborn heart was able to listen. Oh, you're not saying pray for any woman, a woman. You're saying pray for the woman. Does that mean, Father, that... You've, you have a partner for me already? And there was this quiet silence, like the father just smiling. He said, and he said, well, are you ready to pray for the woman? And I said, well, what's she look like? No, 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 son. Come on. No, we're not going there. Come on. I want you to pray for the woman that I have planned for you. Well, how do I know how to pray for you? You don't have to know. Romans 8.34, God is... Um, uh, Oh, gosh, my, my mind just, just slipped right there. But he says basically that Jesus is already praying for the, for the person. Jesus is already praying at Romans 834. I'm praying for you, praying for the person. So he says, I'm already, Jesus is already praying for this woman. Now, what you've got to do is get close enough to Jesus to find out how he's praying. Now, getting close to Jesus, I gave you a fair well, you know, you got some stuff you've got to drop off. A lot of armor's got to go down. You've got to get real. Okay, but if you do then I will show you this woman with my heart, my eyes, and you will know how to pray for her. Mm, so now, how good. badly do you want? Are you willing to go to the altar before you even meet this woman, before you even hear her name and pray for her? And then I trust me that when the time is right, I'll open that door. Well, long story short, so fine. I said, okay, let's, let's give it a try. Start. And I started to pray and a fear came over me. And a nerve, I thought, oh Lord, did I step out into some wrong place? Here's that, I kept praying, pray peace over her you know, security over her and all that kind of stuff. Finally, it sort of leveled out. I thought, okay, let's, long story short, uh, about nine months later when we got engaged, we met six months later and got engaged six months after that, actually. And I said, incidentally, Mary, um, you know, I, I was praying for you before we met. She said, really? I said, yeah. I said, I pulled out my journal. I had written down what I said. I said, hey, I got this thing. I don't know what this means. Maybe it was off base, but I just thought you, like, I was praying for it. And she looked at it for a minute. She says, is that date on the top of that page of your journal? Is that the same date you were praying for me? I said, yeah, sure. She says, that's the day I went in for my PhD oral exams. And I was scared. I've worked three years for this. And I didn't, 
And I just thought, oh, Lord Jesus, how about that? You really are my father. You know what I want before I ask. And you know what I need, even in spite of what I ask sometimes. And I was just in awe that my father God, and that was the the beginning when you, I heard you talk a little earlier, but you know, when you, when you, when you discover God as your real father, I mean, I could say the theology and I was good at thing. I but when I, I, when that experience came to me, I thought, wow, it's not just words on a page somewhere. This is a father who loves his son in spite of all the stuff I've done. And he still wants to bless me. Now that's called grace. He's got truth. Oh, yes. But John 1, 17, God gave the law through Moses, but grace and truth he gave through Jesus Christ. I was experiencing his grace in that moment and have ever since we've been married. BC Nation, you can experience God's grace in your depression right now, in your loneliness. If you're single or maybe you're not single, you're married and you're lonely. You feel disconnected from your spouse. Are you praying for your spouse? Mm Mm-hmm. Or are you just resenting them? Are you making them wrong? Or are you praying for them? Right? This is everything. And if you're single, go ahead and so right. Like pray for your future spouse. God already has them handpicked for you. Pray for them so that he can bring them to you. He has someone. So don't lose hope. Be encouraged. So we're speaking with Gordon Dalby. You can find him at abbafather.com abbafather.com gordon i let the show go over time because of the wounds out there and mm-hmm. uh how much of god's love and truth you you've brought to this uh, conversation so thank you um we're now going to enter my favorite part of the show welcome to the confession round this is where i'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions you'll have about three seconds to answer each it's just for fun don't over three seconds okay yes are you ready oh let's go What's your favorite thing about God? That he loves me, that he's maybe my father, and he, he knows me better than I know myself. What's your least favorite thing about God? He calls me the task. He calls me the task. It's a cross on the journey. I mean, you know, I, I don't particularly enjoy that, but I know that that's what's required. So in my better moments, I can say, take this cup from me, but I'm your man. Let's go. What are you most afraid of? Most afraid of, I'm dealing a lot now with trusting God. I've had some heart issues with doctors and stuff. And and there's there's a fear that that I can't control what's going on, even in my body. When I was younger, I knew my body would show up no matter what. Now I'm scared that, well, this God that I have all these stories about won't show up. And uh, I know it's unreal, but that's the fear. Well, as your wise young Son said, it's not an adventure <laughs> it unless comes back it's scary. You, it? <laughs> it's not an adventure unless it's scary. I love oh, that. Oh, it is. It is. What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s and 30s? Oh, chasing ladies. Yeah. I have a question about that. And uh, yeah. Got it. What yeah, is, I, I, go ahead. What is your number one struggle right now, either personally or professionally? You mentioned well, the health, but is yeah, there something it, else? It's... Um, Professionally, it's the same as always been that, like you said earlier, you know, you can provide people with the medicine, but if they don't, if they don't know that they're sick, they won't take it. Jesus, I didn't come for those who are well. I come for those who are sick. And I, I'm, I'm more honed than I've ever been in my life. I don't mind saying, 
I know my stuff. I read my stuff. Other people read my stuff. And people say, I'm better than I've ever been as a writer communicating what God has done for me. But there's a, there's a, a reluctance. It's like the veterinarian goes to the sick dog and the dog snarls at him. And that's what I experienced. And that's the hardest thing for me to deal with is that I say, Lord, I'm writing these books and I, I sense your pleasure and everything, but, but I don't get any response. I, I, I think I'm a, uh, I used to, 10 years ago, he called me out of the world. I was all over the place. Now he's put me in this little cubby on as an extrovert, as you might gather. And uh, I, I'm saying, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like this. I, 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 I put all my time, my life into this and I don't. And, and he of course says, look, son, uh, I've told you to do this, you do this safely and I'll take care of the rest. It's really difficult to, uh, not see the fruit in, oh, yeah. in our labors. Exactly. Exactly. Really difficult, but we just got to surrender it to God. It's none of our business, right? Just show First up and be faithful. Yeah. What secret fear do you have about people? Hmm. Secret fear about people. That they'll pretty much the same kind of idea that they will say, "Oh, I'm not. I'm not significant. I'm not significant." Got it. What do you had? What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Oh, I wish I'd learned to trust him. That he was a trustworthy father, and that that uh, that he had my best interests at heart, and had the power to get me where I wanted to go, so I wouldn't be off on these all those rabbit trails. <laughs> I hear you. What's a new habit you want to form? What habit? Do I, yeah, a new habit that you want to form. A new habit that I want to form. All right, no, this is going to sound pretty petty, but no late night snacks that mess up my body when I need to be in good shape. And uh, uh, you know, watching, I'm I'm in basic good shape, but I I really need to start being more deliberate about um, taking care of my body in that way. Got it. And what's a bad habit you want to break? Um, I have to say, you know, you got me started on this, but, but, but that, that impulse to control situations when I get scared and when Mary and I are start to get that level of argument coming up, I just want to make sure she gets to what I'm saying, that she acknowledges that I'm right. And I, I, I've learned now mostly, um, to check that impulse and just say, wait, let me hear what she's saying. Listen to what she's saying. And you don't have to be right here. I'm here. I got to control of this. I'm teaching you something. Sit back in your seat and let me teach you. That's that's, that's so good. You know, we all wrestle that inner control freak that needs oh, to, that needs to be heard. Yep. You know, a buddy of mine said many years ago, it was very wise. He said, Joseph, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy? You can't have both. Right? I would change that's that. really I helped I, me. I think I would change that. Do you want, do you want joy? Oh, there I have you a go. Whole teaching on the difference between happiness. Oh, right, 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 right. But that, yeah, that's that's good. Hard. That's good. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. There is a choice. There's a choice. There is a choice. Pick three words to describe who you are now. <sighs> Persevering the journey. Persevering the journey. Pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced the Father's love. Oh, fearful and lost. Fearful and lost. And last question: If you could come back to life after you died. Look your family and your friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about life, eternity, everything. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? You can worry if you want to. You can worry if you want to, BC Nation. 
<laughs> Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with the father versus not? What we've been talking about, you, you, you had to come to the, that place in your life where literally where you're, you're desperate. You've got, and you've tried everything and, and it's not working. And to acknowledge that this, that this God of the, that you hear about in Christianity, the God that you've probably even talked about, but, but have not really engaged in the sense of, why are you doing this to me? And Jesus, with loud cries and tears, Jesus made his request known to God. I mean, to engage this God, um, give him a chance. Give him a chance to show you. Take a leap, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But, but you have to get that place, I know. But I'll just pray for your brother and sister. That, 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 like like uh, King David said, go, go easy on my son, would you, Father? And I'm praying, go easy on the brother and sister. But, 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 and God said, that's not all up to me. I just heard him say this. That's a, part of that's up to them. I'll go easy if they go, if they go easy and, and open up their hearts to me. But if they retreat from me, if they withdraw from me, they're dictating the terms of the, of the journey. And they're saying, I'm not going to listen to you unless you turn up the height, the heat. And I don't like to do that. I don't, I don't want to do that, but I want more, more I want for them than having to endure the heat. I want them to come to me and know me as their father and receive all that I sent Jesus to give them. BC Nation, what I'm hearing Gordon speak to my heart and convict my heart is that if I harden my heart to the father, I'm hardening my journey ahead. Mm -hmm. I'm making it harder for myself. Yeah. If I soften my heart to the Father, I'm softening the journey ahead for myself. So just, You're not in control. But that's okay. You don't have to be in control. He is in control. You can exhale. What a concept. And you don't have to worry about anything. But instead, ask God for what you need with a thankful heart. And trust that God's peace, which passes all human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. That's not Gordon Dobby and Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I read that Bible verse every day, by the way. Just yeah, that, 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 that's a great one. That's a great so, one. Gordon, what's the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you or to pick up your latest book? What do you got? Yeah, AbbaFather.com is my, my major go-to. I know the younger folks listening in are... Uh, not a Facebook. I have a Facebook page, but I don't really, frankly, use that. The, the website seems to do it for me. I've got all kinds of podcasts and books and uh, uh, audio books and MP3s. Wow, I'm happening. Uh, so, uh, but that's where the best place to get in touch with me is, abbafather.com. Gordon Dalby, thank you for contributing to me personally in this conversation. Thank you for speaking to the heart of one of my listeners right now that has struggled with the wounds and not knowing what to do with it. Um, and really just speaking to them to bring it to the one true father. So thank you for being on broken Catholic today. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you. It's been a, a joy to be with you and your listeners. Cheers. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? 
Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.